Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now on with the show. All right. So we have a very exciting week for everyone. Um, Karen's got a little smirk on her face. Even but more exciting than usual, Caroline. I can't yes. imagine. <laughs> yes. So hopefully everyone remembers back in, uh, I believe it was November of last year, we did something a little different for our Nashville store opening. We did five podcast episodes, one each day, the week of our Nashville store opening, because we could not do any in-person celebrations like we normally would. But we wanted to commemorate the store opening, really celebrate uh, opening in our first store in Tennessee. And we are back with Houston Week, because we're opening a brand new 10,000 square foot store in the River Oak Shopping Center in Houston. And we're really pumped up about it. Um, I know Karen just went. I did. Karen, I was just there. Oh my gosh. So I went just last weekend, a few days before they um, did their soft opening. And it's so gorgeous. Oh my gosh. It's um, right next door to Ann Taylor and it has lots of beautiful big windows that face out to the street. So there's tons of sunlight. Um, there's so much gorgeous product in there. It's got all of our spring introductions, lots of outdoor, but also a lot of that core stuff that we all know and love. Of course, you, you can never fit everything in a store. I don't care how big right. it is. You got to go to the website for everything. But oh, it is stunning and inspirational. And the team there is so fun and nice and smart. Go check them out. And actually, I think this is what, something that we don't talk about that much in the podcast because we talk more about like our website, blah, blah, blah. But um, we have in like uh, free design services in all of our stores yep. and online. But in the store, if you are in that area, you can make an appointment. You can go see all the fabrics. They'll help you with layouts. They'll walk you through all the furniture. So I do think that's a great um, resource because you get to see it all, touch it, feel it, all that good stuff. Exactly. And um, like she said, it's free and these guys are pros. They know what they're doing and they're not just there to sell you something. They're there to help you like we say, unleash your inner decorator and have some happy decorating. So y- utilize it, you guys. I would. <laughs> I tell my friends all the time, especially if they're having a layout issue, like just go into the store. They'll they'll help you. They'll take the stuff you already have. Like you don't have to buy everything. They're not working on commission. They'll just answer your questions. That's you right. Know? Anyways, all that to say, we have five amazing interior designers oh from the Houston area that are going to be on the show this week. We recorded with them a couple weeks ago. Ironically enough, we recorded with them or we had scheduled to record with them the week of the Houston or the Texas uh, freeze. freeze. So that was a challenge, but we're glad everyone is, you know, starting to rebound now and everyone is, all of the designers we talked to were safe and their families were safe. So that was good. But um, anyway, it's just a great diverse group, lots of different styles. I mean, very classic, a little more modern, you know, there's a good, it was a good group and everyone was so friendly. So we hope a, you all a, enjoy it. It's a big design town. So you're mm-hmm. in for a treat. Yes, for sure. All right, let's get to it. Today's day one, and we'll go all the way through Friday. So we hope you enjoy it. (music) 
we are excited to kick off our very first day of Houston week. We're celebrating the opening of our new Houston store in River Oaks. And today we have one of a a very talented member of the Houston design community. She has a brand new book called Beauty of Home. She's been featured in Architectural Digest, Elle Decor, um, Vogue, Southern Living, Traditional Home, and more. And her name is Marie Flanagan. Thank you so much of Marie Flanagan Interiors. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to get you guys in Houston. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll have our yes. story. Yes. So you're actually a trained architect and you, I guess, quit practicing architecture formally to start your interior design degree. But I imagine you do a lot of architecture, you know, work with the architecture and architects, um, as a part of your design work. So I want to start there. Maybe you could kind of tell us um, a little bit about that. You talk about it extensively in the intro to your book, which I really enjoyed reading. Um, so start there and tell us how you got into this this world of interior design. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so my first love was architecture. I went to school, um, that's what I studied, and was hired out of college to work for several different architecture firms for uh, many years. And, you know, just fell in love with it, but then ended up working for a very small firm that did corporate sales centers. And they did both, it was kind of like a design build firm where we worked on the interior architecture and then actually built some of the pieces in the back in the shop. Um, so kind of fell in love with the work of interior design, um, really understanding millwork and understanding kind of the nuts and bolts that go into finishing out the architecture of a space. And I loved kind of seeing the design down to the micro level and finishing it, finishing it out with furniture and fabrics. Um, so really just kind of fell in love with that part of design. And, um, you know, also it was a small business and I loved kind of helping the owner strategize how to grow the business and different ways we could market what we were doing. So, in 2008, when the recession hit, ended up going back to get my MBA um, at night school, kind of with no big grand plan of starting my own business. But then, you know, once I graduated, all the stars kind of aligned and it made sense. And that was the birth of Marie Flanning and Interiors. <laughs> wow. I love that you took that opportunity sort of in a beat in the world to be like, you know what, reimagining myself now. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, I don't know where I want to be long term, but I'm going to try to open as many doors as possible and see where it takes me. And, you know, kind of looking back, it's, it's neat that so many of my passions and my loves are all used in this one career. And I'm so thankful for. Well, you can really um, see that architectural background in your work, because there's so, I mean, I imagine that many of your projects are from the ground up and so they have they have a an architecture team working on it but there were so many design elements and decor elements that were related to I'm trying to figure out how to describe what I'm what your work looks like but you know fireplace mantles for example where the the full wall with the fireplace is almost like a artwork but an installation it's very simple. into itself. And, yes. Yes. It's almost like an installation. Absolutely. And I appreciate you um, noticing that because, you know, I think that there's, you can take interior design to a whole new level when you consider architecture and interiors together and integrate the two. I think, you know, you can decorate a space, right? 
or you can kind of start with the architecture, which is where I like to begin. And you, you know, decide, are you going to honor the architecture? Are you going to on purpose introduce juxtaposition to contrast the architecture? Um, are you going to bring in elements from the outside, like draw in some stone that's on the exterior, bring in some beautiful beams that you see coming out of the soffit on the exterior? How can we enhance the interior to be as, you know, to really celebrate the architecture or what the architect was doing? So starting there and then integrating with the interior design and letting them kind of honor each other, I think, you know, is the essence of my work. Mm hmm. Amazing. There were there were some times where you and you mentioned this in one of the projects, um, removing molding, simplifying molding. And and I don't know if this is like the HGTV we've all watched or maybe it's real real estate agents telling you to increase the value of your home by adding molding. But I feel like people's usually their go to is this room without molding needs molding. So give us the case for removing <laughs> molding and trim work, you know, because I think sometimes people just are like, oh, we more. just need some trim work. Mm -hmm. It'll make it look architectural. Sure, Whereas sure, you're sure. sort of talking about the opposite. Yeah. You know, I think it depends on the situation. I am currently living in a craftsman bungalow where, you know, I think molding is amazing. So I think it depends on the situation. It depends on the look you're going for. Right now, we're seeing a large influx of Belgian-inspired minimalism. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of people call it like the California chic look, which is kind of all about less is more. So we're seeing a big trend in plaster. Um, and that look is about taking things away, getting rid of some of the molding, letting the plaster feel like be the heaviness and be the richness in a room. Um, so it really is, you really need to kind of plan for the look you're going for. And the, the same solution isn't the answer for every home. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Well, I love, I love how simple and like beautifully elegant some of those spaces feel. And I, I don't really feel like you would notice that there wasn't trim work until you really call it out in the caption or in the, in your description on the pages, you know, cause you just sort of flip through it and you're like, this is a beautifully there's so many ways you can do it. And, you know, whether you're going to paint it, stain it, you know, so often we're trying to kind of reimagine what molding is. Is it, is it thinner in profile? Is it wallpapered in between? Do we use metal on the interior to really kind of make it pop? Do we have an extension of the cabinetry? Um, so a lot of times we use molding to like hide doorways or like hide storage. Um, you know, so there's just, that's what I love about my job. There's just so many different creative ways to reimagine things and kind of use things in a new way. So when you're hiding doorways or storage, you're just continuing molding across it as if it doesn't exist? Yes. So oftentimes we'll do that. It's, it's a fun way to treat even like a powder room. You can like put molding all over the, either the interior of the room or the exit or in a hallway leading up to the room. And then we do what's called like a jib door, which is a special hinge that you use to make it look like it's just part of the wall. And obviously you will see a seam unless you really plan ahead and make the seam follow the lines of the molding, which is a really beautiful way to hide things. A lot of people, um, you know, and then add like a beautiful little doorknob. So it's not really like you're trying to hide it, but it's just a beautiful kind of special detail in your home. It's surprising. Yeah. Marie, I'm sure you've seen that image of the David uh, Hicks room where he actually put a painting 
and then chopped it in half. So half is like above the hidden doorway and half is on the door. <laughs> I love that, right? There's nothing yes. reverent. <laughs> I love that. Incredible, right? Well, and I feel like, and exactly, and everybody can kind of take that home and like do it themselves with just wallpaper. Like it doesn't have to be a painting, but you know, we've done it before. I think you can even see it in my book where I use this incredible like dark palm Pierre Frey wallpaper and just let it go across the door and use the jib door as, um, as a way to kind of transition it and let it just go straight across. It's so interesting. Such simple things like that, that the normal gal or guy wouldn't imagine, but like you said, you're thinking about it all the time, but those little simple <laughs> things are mind blowing a little bit for those who are, for us who are not considering it constantly. Like you. <laughs> so it keep me, keeps me employed. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to me about the fireplace wall, because I feel like yes. you have really made the fireplace an art form. And there are very few built-in bookcases with a fireplace in the middle. And I mean, there, there are few, but there are a lot of, of spaces in your in your book without those. And I just, I feel like it's such a fresh, you know, way to create a focal point, but you're doing it in a very simplified way. So kind of tell everybody about I don't know. Why do you love a fireplace? Yeah, so no two are alike. <laughs> They're and really diverse looks too. You've got really minimal ones, more traditional, but each unique and fits so perfectly to the vibe. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I I think fireplaces are such incredible focal points. Um, and you can do them on a budget or you can do them extravagant. Uh, I think we kind of run the gamut in the book as far as, uh, you know, stone mantles, stone walls, uh, concrete fireplaces, plaster, very minimal. Um, and I just think it's a place for people to gather, you know, so often they're off a kitchen. I think the kitchen is like the heart of our home. People are attracted to be in that part of the home. And I think your living rooms um, and fireplaces are an extension off of that. So I just think they're just a beautiful um, space in the home that represents gathering. Um, and I like texture in all aspects of my work. And I think, I think, what you're probably recognizing in my work is that is a great opportunity um, to incorporate texture of all different kinds and all different colors. Um, and, you know, so often people want to slap a TV above fireplaces, you know, um, and we fight that if possible. But, you know, there's some great solutions out there, you know, to provide art. There's even one I wish it could have made it into my book, but um, a fireplace we just finished that was this incredible carved marble and they wanted to put a TV over it. Um, so we took it as an opportunity to do a two-way mirror TV. So it looks like, and we found this gorgeous antique frame. So we framed the mirror in this incredible frame. So to, to almost everybody coming in, it just seems like a beautiful fireplace with a mirror above. Um, but there's actually a TV hidden. So if you did want to sit and watch a movie, you can turn it on. Marie, let me ask you this. In your own bungalow, because I happen to live in a bungalow, so I'm so selfish, <laughs> um, what does your fireplace surround look like? 
<laughs> you know what's so funny is, uh, so we restored a bungalow from, gosh, it's like from the 1920s. And um, we don't have a fireplace. <laughs> we live in Houston, Texas, and I, I don't. But I'm actually currently building a new home about two blocks away that has two fireplaces. So. <laughs> <laughs> But what? All right. So still back to me. Um, if you did have a fireplace in a 1920s bungalow, what do you think would be something that feels updated, but still, uh, you know, has reverence for the, the home's provenance? Well, you know, I live in a craftsman uh, bungalow. And so I think the first kind of go to if you're really trying to honor the style of architecture would be a wood mantle with maybe some sort of beautiful slab surround. Um, and then from there, I would go with possibly like a concrete if you wanted to kind of add like a little bit of a modern twist. And the one that I'm currently building, I'm doing kind of a, you know, John Saladino is like a personal hero of mine. So it's like a John Saladino inspired stone fireplace. So really simple and minimalist, but, um, you know, made out of a just a beautiful, simple limestone to add some brightness. And, you know, I love decorating for the holidays. So the fireplace is always kind of a feature. So I'm very excited about that. What are you What are you finding as you build for yourself uh, as a as a struggle? Um, I, so many designers that we talk to say it's so much harder to design for themselves than it is for others. There's so many options, and it's hard to narrow down the things that you love. But I mean, you're starting from scratch. What are What are your biggest struggles? Yeah, I second all of those points. I think that it is hard to design for yourself because the sky's the limit. But then you know, it's uh, there's just so many options and. Also, for me, it's just like finding the time to design my own stuff. It's just not around. So oftentimes I'm like waking up early in the morning to do it. But um, for me, it's just about, you know, I've there's a timeline you got to live by. So I, you know, you have to make decisions. And um, my husband is very involved in the building process. So he keeps me in line. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I loved um, you talk a little bit in the book about focal points and this is sort of dovetailing off our, our fireplace conversation. Um, I imagine in most living rooms where there's a fireplace, that's your focal point. But talk to us about the, the need for a focal point and what, you know, how that's sort of informing the other elements that you're bringing into the room once you've really narrowed down what that focal point is going to be. Yeah, you know, I think there has to be um, the star of a room and the people who kind of sit in the background as far as design elements. And you have to decide what those, you know, are going to be. Um, so it's, I always suggest coming up with a plan ahead of time. Um, it, creating a focal point is also a way of introducing grandeur. Um, so often it's so easy for me to update a kitchen because, you know, they've created no focal point. You know, the, the, the range is kind of tucked in a corner and the refrigerator looks like it's like the main focus. So, you know, there's ways of creating grandeur by um, making those shining moments pop and letting them be the star. And then, you know, so much of my work is also about minimalism and, you know, not, you don't have to have 10 stars per room, if that makes sense. Like you don't have to have 10 focal points. Um, you know, just find one or two beautiful moments and let the rest be quiet. Um, and I try to, that's why I think I'm so drawn to like nuanced color and texture because, to me, it's about using the space. It's about the function of the space, how a space makes you feel, you know, what 
a space brings to your life versus the space itself. You know, it, you know, the space should bring delight, but you know, how does it serve you and your family? And so I think, you know, the focal point could be, could be the scale of the item. It could be you know, the tile you used as the backsplash, it could be the hood that you've introduced. That's something special. But it doesn't necessarily have to, you know, kind of scream when you enter the room. It can be a subtle, beautiful texture. And that's also why I'm so drawn and inspired by items from nature, color and, uh, you know, um, authentic materials. Uh, because I think, you know, we're drawn to be part of nature. And I think by bringing that inside automatically gives you peace, gives you, uh, you know, gives your home this soothing um, place that becomes a retreat, which is kind of the point of why I design. Yeah. Yeah. In the book, you said, say more with less. And I thought that was the perfect, succinct way to, you know, articulate that concept. Just having less elements, but making them more thoughtful. Absolutely. And making mm-hmm. them count more, you know, by the way you use them, by the way you celebrate them in each room. Yeah. It's like if you have a ring on every finger, you're not going to notice a single one. one <laughs> That's fabulous right. Fabulous ring. <laughs> like, oh, look at that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, okay. There was something that you talked about in the, in the book and it, it, it never really are, occurred to me, but it's true. Um, you talk about how light affects every material and reflects off every material differently. And I thought that was such an interesting, explain, explain to people what, what that means. Well, light is one of my favorite elements to design with. And, you know, it really kind of renders our world for us. And the way you experience each texture and item is through light. Um, One thing I love to do in my office is look at materials through different types of light, daylight, incandescent, LED. It'll shock you uh, how different things can appear, different color especially. Um, So I think considering the way things absorb light is really important. Um, that's an, that's one reason why I love to introduce velvet into my spaces because um, the way it absorbs light, you know, no, you won't ever achieve as much depth in color as through velvet, in my opinion. Um, and I also love contrast. So bringing in elements that both reflect and absorb light um, can create this beautiful textural dance around the room. You know, for example, metals, brass against a velvet sofa, then paired with like a linen chair um, and even like a brushed raw wood uh, and just the different ways the materials reflect and absorb light can just be um, can be beautiful. Yeah, materials was something that that um, that I love the way you spoke about. And um, you kind of talk, you know, I know everyone's probably heard like mixing materials and and you talk about how. um how it's important to do that. And like you said, you know, sort of incorporating elements from nature into it. But I wonder if you can kind of give us some guidelines because I'm sure we've all seen a home or maybe even seen Zillow where there, someone <laughs> decided to mix some materials and it went awry. So ha- when, you know, what sets apart something that's like successfully mixed together and something that feels disjointed and dated? Sure. Good question. Um, well, some easy guidelines I like to use. Well, the first kind of 
I think buzzword people are excited to mix is metals, mixing metals all over their home. You know, an easy rule of thumb for me is that oil rub bronze or like a dark bronze color um, is a neutral. And so often it's it's a go-to of mine to use that as like doorknobs, door hardware, drapery hardware throughout the home. Because then when you're mixing, you know, your polished nickel in the bathrooms or your unlacquered brass in the powder room or in the kitchen, you know, that bronze becomes a neutral that mixes so easily, easily, so flawlessly with any metal. Um, So that's kind of one trick I use. And then, you know, I kind of like to ask people who are asking me the same question, you know, look around your room and see what materials you have not introduced. Like, do you have a metal? Do you have um, a wood object? Do you have something upholstered? If you're, if you're just looking to introduce a new material um, and then just kind of thinking about using them carefully within the space. So, um, you know, as I'm as I'm even sharing this, there's just so many ways to break rules. Uh, like, for example, you know, often I'll suggest if somebody's just easy uh, looking for an easy way to introduce wood. You know, I usually use about two different wood tones in a space, usually a light and a dark. Um, but even today, we're seeing so many like wood on wood kitchens and. Uh, um, so I would say follow the rules, but then don't be afraid to break them. And if you love a material and it brings you joy and delight, then by all means, go for it. Mm-hmm. I, I did want to ask about the wood because you do have, a, you work with a lot of browns, a lot of white, but a lot of brown wood finishes and a lot of oaks that kind of feel dry and rubbed and, um, especially in kitchens and bathrooms. Talk about that a little bit, because I feel like we're, we're all, you know, so used to a white kitchen and it was so refreshing to see in your work, the departure from that. Yeah. I'm, I love using, uh, raw wood in all across my work. And I'm, I am doing a lot of stained kitchens right now. I think people, you know, we went through this kind of like white and gray phase that I think people are so hungry to get out of. <laughs> and I, I just love the warmth that wood will bring to a room. And um, again, just feeling like you're bringing the outdoors in. I think that's just such an easy way to do it. I personally love to either brush or scrape or hand plane wood to bring out a little bit more of like a raw or authentic feel. Um, brushing can be where they, where they use like a rotating bandsaw and it's kind of like eating away at all the soft parts of the wood. And that's what gives you that kind of beautiful grain as you uh, rub your hand across um, a plane of, of, of wood. One of my favorite woods to use is white or French oak because it, it can stain just so, so beautifully to any color you want. Um, I also love using walnut in quite a, a quite a bit of my work. Walnut's a little bit better to use if you're using it as like a countertop material. Um, and then I love to introduce accent doors, you know, or like recreate antique doors, um, whether it's being used in a kitchen or like an entrance to a, a primary bedroom or something like that. So I just think there's so many different ways to use a beautiful stained wood in, in interiors. There were a couple barn doors in your in your book, so I, I liked that, and and I feel like you know there there are lots of examples of not great barn doors. The, those were not the ones in your <laughs> in your book. They were they just they they did look. I mean, and you are in Texas, so you know 
much more um, relevant. But like, what is how how do you do it, and when do you do it in a way that makes sense? Well, I think I wish that there was a better word than barn door. You know, I think you know when people are hanging a door on a sliding track, it gets called barn door, and um, you know it doesn't have to have like a farmhouse look to include them. I think it can just be a beautiful accent of any kind. You know, we've done shiplap, we've done antique paneling, we've done um, all kinds of different accent doors, which can be great to be used just to uh, create a flex space. You know, I think in the book, I don't know if it was actually shown or not, but, um, you know, even if you have a, we had this great playroom at the front of the house that could, if it was, if the house was inhabited by older children, it would have been probably a formal dining room. But we introduced the most beautiful barn door um, that looked like a piece of the architecture that just slid right across to kind of hide the fact that it was a game room. Um, In another part of the book, I show this beautiful study with all these suede inlaid cabinets. And I use the same steel windows that are that are found throughout the home as a sliding kind of barn style door to cordon off the study. Um, And so they can really be a variety of different looks. Yeah. Okay, we got to talk about home offices, because I feel like your the home offices in your book are just so gorgeous. And I, do they, do, do the people, are these just home offices or are they permanently working? Like, were they working from home even before? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because what a, what a gorgeous home office. I wouldn't, I would want to work there every day. I don't want to go to the office if I've got one of those spaces. Absolutely. Most of the homes in the books were completed pre-COVID, but I'm sure they're happy that they built those. Um, But no, all of them are residential offices. But today in my meetings, all day, every day, that is a topic of conversation. Home offices are more important than ever. I think gone is the open floor plan concept. People want spaces that they can you know, hide away, that they can, you know, cordon off, you know, read a book, get work done. Um, They need flex spaces for their children to go to school, for them to go to work. I think people have realized more than ever that we can all get so much done from home. And it's, it's very important and definitely a part. I mean, honestly, how I'm, a topic of conversation in several meetings has been how what's going to be behind me on my Zoom calls and well, how am I going to look the best? So. Yeah, give us it's, our tips, Marie. Yeah, give us the answer. <laughs> well, you always want front lighting. So if you can be in front of a window, I think that that's incredible or, you know, installing some beautiful lighting. But, um, you know, in one house, we just designed this beautiful rock wall behind them that'll be backlit. Just something textural, a piece of art. Mm. Um, you don't want to be backlit. Uh, and, you know, just something kind of interesting. Or overhead, like harsh overhead lighting is bad. You know, Great point. All your sags and your <laughs> Exactly. Ugh, <not> good. <laughs> <laughs> your under eye like your under eye <laughs> let's avoid those at all costs <laughs> right I thought the way that you um hang lighting sconces particularly sometimes is very a little out, probably not sound out your outside of your box but for most people like off of the sides of things instead of on the wall you know it might come out of the cabinet on the side um to illuminate 
in the kitchen, for example, to illuminate the counter or your work area or uh, in bathrooms, that kind of thing. You're just instead of thinking, okay, it's going to go on the wall, you kind of turn it sideways and do it off of something else. Exactly. And I think that that really comes from my architectural background because I start every project with interior elevations. And so, you know, if I'm creating a bookcase or if I'm creating a nook or something and I have like paneling, you know, nothing brings me more pleasure than to have a sconce kind of perfectly centered in something so um, that feels so effortless, but so perfect at the same time. So moments like that, you know, I just love. And when you're doing that, are you especially considering, I'm sure you are, the way the sconce looks from the side? Like if it has a beautiful arch or a beautiful profile from the side, it's like, well, let's highlight that instead of the front of it. Mm, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, and, you know, how far is the projection? I think there's so much to be considered, especially, you know, I love doing the, you know, recessed sofa in a reading nook or like in a library where the sconces are kind of on both sides that really aren't just beautiful, but really serve a function and create a great moment for reading or to sit and have coffee with a friend. Um, and yes, absolutely. It's what it looks like. It's the texture and the warmth that it brings to the space and then how it can move. Are you going to, is it going to hit you on the head as you're standing up? Um, and how you turn on the light? Is it, does it have a self mechanism or are you going to introduce a switch? And anytime we can lose a switch is amazing. Mm -hmm. wow. The fewer the switches, the better. That's right. That's Although rule. today, you know, the beautiful switches are all in vogue. You know, the Forbes and Lomax and now Lutron has come up with a gorgeous contemporary option that you can select any metal under the sun. And, you know, it's kind of becoming beautiful to highlight your switches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm writing that down so I can go Google that immediately. <laughs> I think it's the Aliana, Aliana by Lutron and then Forbes and Lomax. And then you should definitely look up Bocce Outlets. That's what we love to use, which, you know, how, how long did it take us to realize we didn't need the ugly plate around our around our outlets and now a we can, long time yeah a long time <laughs> and still right it's a lot more expensive to do it this way but if you have a beautiful kitchen or if you want to just really celebrate a space and put some extra great touches like for example kitchen islands are always spaces that i feel like my team and i are trying to make them look like they're pieces of furniture so to either use a bocce outlet or to use a true fig um, which is a, basically a flush outlet that becomes flush with whatever, whatever material it's on, then you can just either faux finish it or select the color that matches the material it's being put on, makes them just completely disappear. So it, the point is that it looks like it's just three prongs drilled into the material you're using it on. That's really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Very cool. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when we post it on Instagram, people always love it. So I try to remember tips like that, that people really like. No, that's so, I mean, it's genius. Like, because you, okay, you know what? And Taryn, our, our co-host who is on maternity leave right now and is building a house. Yeah. Well, she's going to need to look tell her all about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the time to know it was when you're building. Is it hard to retrofit those kinds of things into a project? A lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a little bit of construction involved, but you can do it. Okay. There was this one bedroom in your project in Telluride and the bed was on a wall with a window and it was not centered under the window and it looked, but it looks fabulous. And I mean, I would have never thought that you 
the window could be off center. I mean, I would say the the center of the bed is sort of on the outer uh like edge of the window. Do you even know what project I'm talking about? It was this beautiful, um, I'm pretty sure it was in Telluride, and it was this beautiful sort of pastel room okay, with an yeah. upholstered mm-hmm. headboard, mm-hmm. and there was a window behind the headboard, but it wasn't centered on the wall, and I was like, huh. Why, well, Marie, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, that was a such a fun project in Telluride. It was this historic Victorian home, and the bedroom that you're talking about is actually sunken into the ground four feet and so it was such an experience learning how to how to build homes um in telluride for the freeze and for you know all the different um codes that you have to go by and so no that room was just the sweetest little girl's room that what you probably can't see in that picture is that next to that window is this incredible draped a uh, little upholstered nook for her to like crawl into and read books. Um, and so that space was all about like really maximizing what we had to work with. And the window was off center and I felt like we kind of used it to our advantage and celebrated it and, uh, you know, created different focal points throughout the room using artwork and that incredible pattern fabric. Um to create this cozy, soft, welcoming space. Well, I just thought it was a great lesson because I feel like if, okay, if that were my room and I was just trying to think, okay, how am I, how am I going to lay out the space? It would have not occurred to me that you could not center it. But I feel like what you did is you just, you use these beautiful fabrics and you had beautiful elements and like the bed was off center, but it was still a gorgeous space. And you could tell it was small, but um, yeah, I think it was just so, a great lesson in that, like, you know, Breaking the sometimes something, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes everything doesn't have to be perfect, but if you still got other beautiful elements, it, like it's going to work, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's important to remember that imperfect things are often what brings character to a space. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, you kind of want something to be slightly off or to be a little bit um, unexpected or quirky, because I think that's what brings character and what brings personality. Yeah. Speaking of that unexpected quirky, I was drawn quite a few times in your work to um, sculptural elements that you uh, applied to the wall, whether it was uh, like a plaster, something that I feel like was handmade and put on the wall or um, sculptures that were inserted into the wall, that kind of thing. Um, And I just, just don't generally think that people consider art that way they think it's something I hang in a square with a frame and I love the way that that sort of made spaces feel less structured maybe talk about uh, opening our minds a little bit to sculptural elements a little more absolutely and I have a personal love of sculpture um I like to introduce sculptural elements even with the decor that I use. Like I love bringing in kind of the sculptural chair that sits in the corner and acts like a piece of art. Um, But I think what you might be noticing in my work is I like to find uh, found objects and use them as art. I think that goes back to my love of texture, but like finding the patinaed old piece of stone and framing it like it is a piece of art on the wall. 
Um, and it does become it does become the art of the of the space and like being able to highlight that with the right type of art uh, lighting above or using a picture light is so important. Um, an art block, I absolutely adore using in any room, which is basically can be, you know, I usually use white, but just like a block that stands in the corner of a room that you put either a piece of sculpture mm. on. Oh, like I a personally, column, but just block. Exactly. Ah, like okay, a column okay. mm -hmm. that you would place a piece of sculpture on and maybe light from above. One thing I love to do is find an antique piece of pottery or vase. And um, I think you do see that in my book once or twice and use that as a piece of art. You know, anybody can do that. Um, but yeah, I think people don't always consider sculpture in their spaces or they think they have to go buy uh, an incredibly expensive piece. But I think kind of reimagining what sculpture is mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, taking something old and making it new again is, can be the most beautiful artwork. I see that yeah. in your bookshelves as well, the way you style bookshelves, um, a lot of beautiful bowls or vessels or vases, a lot, mm. many times of the same palette, color palette, unify the space. But, you know, I, I don't know their provenance or price, but not necessarily precious, you know, pulled no, together yeah. and, and the theme of it works because of the palette oftentimes. It seems. That's right. And I, I am glad you recognize that. I do like to start with like a palette for bookcases. It's one of the things that can really unify a bookcase. But the, but I always start by asking a client to give me their personal precious things and kind of starting there. I don't think you need to start from scratch always when redoing your bookshelves, like see what it is that you love that you've collected, what is important to you. Maybe it's vases you got on your honeymoon, um, you know, start there and then build. Um, and I, and I think again, going back to the, you know, what's unprecious becoming precious, you know, kind of reimagining the items that you have, um, and making them beautiful again by, you know, putting them on a stand or, um, reimagining what it could be. Maybe it's like your dad's old, old tape measure, um, that he used, you know, maybe it's like leather bound that you can then use it as an item that has meaning, you know, it's so much better to use items that have meaning that you can, you know, create beauty out of than just like going to the store and buying a bunch of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I think a lot of those, those items that we get from our parents, like they end up in an attic and how sad is that, you know, like have it be, make it, not just something you're t t you feel too guilty to throw away, right? Right. But work it into your design and like really celebrate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and reimagining what it could be and how how to display it. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. kind of like your your grandfather's sweater or your dad's sweater. <laughs> it's right here, Marie. Can you see it? I put it in a little <laughs> oh, shadow box. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that sweet? It was my dad's baby sweater. <laughs> I love that. Actually, that's so beautiful how you did that. Yeah, and it was simple, but it was one of those things. Again, I had sort of laying around. I knew I liked it, but it was, you know, just nothing. And um, I don't know, one podcast we did, I was like, oh, I could just shadow box that thing and hang it up. It'd be fun. That's incredible. I love that tip. Good lessons. So, okay, the last thing I wanted to talk about was, um, well, there. honestly, we could probably chat for ages, but um, you talk a little bit about, or you talk a lot about tension in your book, and it's very evident in, I think, your work. Um, and we've, we kind of 
touched on it a little, but what is, what is tension? How, um, well, actually here, let me read this quote that from the book that I thought was so great. Tension is one of the most thrilling things a designer can introduce into a space. Like, why is it so thrilling? What's so great about it? What How do, do we do it? <laughs> what is tension other than when the in-laws are over? <laughs> You know, I think this is kind of going back to what we just touched on about the, you know, the unexpected and um, the element of surprise a little bit is, you know, tension can be through the juxtaposition of elements and through contrast. It can be incorporating something slightly off or slightly enlarged in scale or, um, you know, something kind of dramatic through color or depth. Um, But bringing in that that tension or the, you know, it can also be introduced through, I I do it a lot through um, dynamic movement, let's say a fun wallpaper with like a dynamic pattern or, you know, a ceiling treatment um, are all ways that you can incorporate it yourself. But uh, I think it's important to have that element of, uh, it's like, it's like the element of mystery. It's not just the same room over and over again, but that element that's going to slightly surprise the person entering it for the first time. Um, And I think it's about how the design elements that you've used in the room speak to one another and work together. Um, And that they do have that little bit of tension between them, um, whether it is through scale, color, texture, um, however you decide to incorporate it in. Mm -hmm. I just, I I love speaking about tension because I feel often when we get questions from listeners or I think probably either any of us get questions from friends it's like oh is this going to clash and people are always you know clash is like such a big word and people are worried that things that aren't exactly the same are going to fight each other when really I think what you're saying is often it's those things that don't match and don't look like they would go together that when you put them together they just like are so surprising and so energizing that it makes Mm. the whole space. Yeah. I think that's a great, that's a great way to put it. And I think um, you can also see that, you know, through, and often I'll hear us saying at the office that we don't want them to match on purpose. Like I just want the blue to be just off. So it's not like we matched it. Um, I think also bringing in, items from different eras and different styles can be another way to do it. Like if you, you know, again, I live in a craftsman bungalow. If I brought in all craftsman items, to me, that's kind of boring and without a lot of character. And I think bringing in elements that feel layered and collected over time is, um, is more interesting. Yeah. Well, I I think it's time to do a decorating dilemma. If y'all are up for it. I am. I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And, and look, it's from Karen from Ohio. It is. Well, I'm Karen, and it's from another Karen. She does spell her name incorrectly, not the way I spell mine. <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> right? No, C-A-R-Y-N. So she's from Ohio, and she has uh, a little easy dilemma for us. So it says, hi, happy holidays. Well, we're a little behind schedule. Sorry, Karen. Um, <laughs> to my favorite podcasters, my husband and I are new homeowners, and my decorating dilemma is the fact that our dining room is also the entrance to our garage, and that is a tough dilemma. I'm trying to figure out how to create a functional room 
that has a mud type area, but also is pretty to, to blend with my dining room furniture. Please help and feel free to critique anything else that jumps out at you in my pics. I love to hear your advice and visions from the rooms you discuss. And let me just quickly describe this room. Um, it's kind of hard to tell if it's square, but I think it might be a square room that has, she's got a round dining table in there, maybe 60 inches with six chairs around it in the center with a chandelier. And one of the corners of the room is clearly a door that is the exit to the garage to the right of that door. She has a tall China cabinet um, that I would say is about a third of the size of the whole wall. And then opposite the wall with a China cabinet. That's a window. Oh, that's not a China cabinet? It's a window to her garage? No. Oh, is it? It might be a window. It's a window. With oh, maybe shades, the garage. Right? Oh, y'all, you're right. That's a window. Even better. We don't have to move <laughs> a piece of furniture. Okay, so it's a window that looks like a China cabinet. No, that's just me. Isn't y'all, it a window? I have, it has blinds and everything. You're right. It's a brown, it has a brown casement. So uh, you're right, Caroline. Gosh. Sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to call you out. my but job. <laughs> All right, so it's a window. And then on the opposite, opposite wall of the window, not China cabinet, is a bar. And in the center of that wall is a doorway to her entry, her, her real entry, her front door entry. So she's got this sort of back door entry. And on one of those walls, it has hooks with scarves and handbags and a little runner beneath it and so she's like how do i work this so i can store my stuff walk through it to the garage but still have a dining room Mm. yes well you know the first thing i would do is come up with a way to make the dining room feel special you know add drapery perhaps in this case add paneling throughout the room definitely i think it's important to case the entry um to because one thing that casing does for a room allows you to start and stop a wall finish so if you did like a paneling or if you did a wallpaper to really make this space feel special and cozy i think that would be the first thing i would do and then i would take a look at the architecture of the space to see if first i could recess in your mud function into the wall and then kind of be able to close it off with doors i think that would be the best way to treat this so that way you could when you are hosting a dinner party or you're using your dining room you could shut off kind of the mess that typically accumulate in mud rooms Um, and if that wasn't possible then I would do go with the paneling idea perhaps and then let the mudroom cabinets be an extension of that paneling kind of following the same detail of molding that you've done on the paneling on the doors of the cabinets so it somewhat blends in and then just make sure you have doors on that area so that again you can kind of just hide the mess um and then you'll have to pull it off kind of the door entry but then you can perhaps lacquer the room or you know choose a fun interesting color Uh, to paint all of the woodwork so that way the garage door just disappears and you could even have the paneling go across the door just like we spoke about earlier in the podcast as a way if you wanted to kind of hide it from sight from your uh, you know formal entertaining Um, so are are you saying build sort of the cabinetry like in front of the window sort of what you're saying or am I no, I'm saying build it kind of where she has begun the mudroom area with these like hooks the and things mm-hmm. um, but first try and see if you can build it kind of recessed into the wall so that way when the doors are shut they are flush with the wall 
And that way you could kind of hide the doors even better and hide the fact that you have all this storage. If whatever's on the other side of the wall does not allow for that, then you can kind of come forward with that cabinet. But then again, I would still, um, in that scenario, I would still create cabinets that can be closed so that you don't see a bunch of bags and shoes and such whenever you're having a formal dinner. I wonder if she was going to do something like that. Um, and I'm looking at the, her one of her photos. It does look like that wall backs up to her kitchen. There's a refrigerator there. So I don't know if she could recess it. But if she, what if she built something that had, you know, like was tall and then low and then tall so that she, the center, she could make her bar. And then the, on the tall parts, she could open up and hang coats and mudroom yeah. things. You know, so That's it looks very mm-hmm. dining, but it also hides your shoes, boots. I was also thinking, what if, um, and if she has like, I don't know if, how often she uses this dining room. Like, is it, is she eating here every night with her family or is this sort of like a more, you know, dinner party kind of situation? But if it's um, the latter and she's not using it every night and it's sort of, you know, more of a um, sporadic type of thing. What if she just totally restyles the dining room table. Because I, I I love all of y'all's idea about the built-ins. Like that seems like a no-brainer. But just for the table, um, you know, there are all those beautiful entryways that have a big round table in the middle. So what if she sort of like relocates a couple of these chairs to other rooms in the house, you know, temper, you know, just for every day, puts a big urn on the on the the round table, like does sort of a bunch of books. Maybe she has some boxes that she can stash like keys and mail and things. It's sort of like a pretty round entry table. But then once it's when, you know, when it's time for her, her friends to come over or it's, you know, she's using it, she can pull those chairs into that room, maybe even swap a few of those, um, the leather dining chairs she has and put in like some, um, cubes or something like a bench that can like sort of tuck under the table just really embrace the entry vibe versus the dining vibe yeah like just as so that you're getting all the function of the dining room but it's not like oh i'm just walking into the dining room from my my garage you know garage but with all the cabinetry that y'all suggested when it is the dining room and she does dress it all up for a dinner party it's not like you're dining in the garage you know? Right. Sort of right. like, well, and anyways, if this is more, an if this is a more casual dining room, like for example, if this is also your breakfast room, you could kind of go along those lines and even do a built-in banquette underneath those windows and maybe even change from a round table to a square table, allowing it to be kind of pushed over a little bit more into the corner versus, you know, having to sit out from the wall and yes. then allowing for more mudroom storage to kind of be a separate hallway type moment to the left I, of the door. I love that idea of pushing this off center and into the corner for a banquet. Um, Cause even if it is, you know, where she does, it only seats six. So even if it is where she would have another couple couples over, that's still not too casual for that. You can make a banquet as dressy as you want. Um, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, lose a few of those chairs, push that over into the corner and, I think that's a, a beautiful solution to give her a little more space, even if she, you know, even with doing the built-in to, or, or a, a freestanding cabinet that she might find somewhere that um, would work in the room to, to make it just feel not so crowded, I guess. 
feels a little crowded, especially if something built in is going to go in there. And then she also has a little chest styled out as a bar. What do we think of that? Do you think that mirror is attached? I feel like there, it feels short in the space. It looks like it might just be sitting on the... It looks like it's sitting on it. But I kind of think if we switched to a rectangular table and did the banquette, then go back to um, your idea of bringing in the cabinet on the other wall and letting that be the bar with hidden storage, either on the sides or just below. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that idea. And just do a great piece of art or a great mirror on the wall that the bar is currently, yeah, allowing for probably way more seating. And this is a piece she can repurpose anywhere in the house that could be in a bedroom or the piece that's currently the bar. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm very, the 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 windows here that Karen thought was a china cabinet. <laughs> Sorry. Like <they're, laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that was your garage. Well, I was like, how no, no, I, I get it now. No, you're right. Because I'm, I'm even confused because the, behind like you can see the glass on the other side of the glass it is pitch black so i'm i'm wondering is that looking into the garage is no, it just no i'm sure the garage just starts to the left i'm you know there's no way okay. someone put a window into their garage no one that wants to see in anyone's garage ever <laughs> i mean i'm wondering just maybe the garage at was added later it's just so dark behind those windows that it's, it's making me feel like it was <laughs> okay I hope yeah. that's the case. I am curious what is to the right of those windows because it looks like it looks like the windows continue around, but then there's like a door. It, you see like a handle on something. Interesting. Oh, yeah. It's hard yeah. to tell. We need more images, but I feel Karen. like those were all... <laughs> I feel that, <laughs> that that was a lot of good options. She just needs to maybe lay it out, tape it on the floor with some painter's tape, maybe test out a few... And another trick to to making a room feel larger is to do an oversized rug. So instead of either a rug under the table or a rug under the mudroom, like just allowing a rug to be the size of the room, maybe six, eight inches off the wall, um, can really help the space even feel even larger and that the two functions share the rug. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you get a, you know, if you're worried about dirt or whatever, there are lots of beautiful performance rugs out there. Um, that you could put in this space that if you're going to mm-hmm. be walking through here with snowy boots or Absolutely. if you're concerned for that, Karen. Yeah. Um, you look yeah. you look real tidy, but still. <laughs> you never know. You never know who's rogue in that house. <laughs> All right. Well, Marie, thank you so much for being our guest. This was a lot of fun. I loved looking through your book. Tell everyone where they thank can you find guys. you, follow you, and buy your book. You can actually buy it at the Ballard Store in Houston. Oh, great. I love that. Yes, my book, The Beauty of Home. Um, And you can follow me on Instagram at Marie Flanagan Interiors, um, also Facebook and Pinterest. So thank you guys so much for having me. I cannot wait to visit your store in Houston. Congratulations on that. Oh, thanks, Marie. Excited to be there. Houston's a great town. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcastballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating.